Hello everyone, just a quick note before we get started, we do have another special bonus interview with my co-host Franklin Webb, so stay tuned after the podcast. And I also wanted to give a quick heads up, unfortunately my laptop's been running hot, so I have to use a laptop fan, so if you hear any little whirring in the background, that's that's going to be the sound, I'll do my best to edit it out, but no promises, so thanks and enjoy the show. A light in the darkness can be a, reveal, a relieving sight as it draws you into its harbor safely. Guiding lights can be the best sight besides finding land. For sailors coming home into port, it means that they won't be wrecked on the rocky coastline or run aground in the shallow waters beneath them. However positive the light in the darkness may be, The darkness is not far behind with tragedy that will surround its source. For no matter how helpful a lighthouse is, there is always sadness behind the light. Hello, listeners, and welcome back. I'm your host, Anne-Marie, and back to join me again is my special guest guest host, independent author Franklin Webb. We are back this episode to explore some more London haunted lighthouses and this time we're going outside the United States well except for one quick pick stop in California by our lovely host I couldn't help myself I heard about this little morsel and I had to run with it so uh, before we get started just to remind everyone please share this podcast with everyone you know Rate and review it where you can, and finally, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. The sharing, as well as rate and reviewing, truly do go, truly do go a long way in helping out my little show and helping it grow. I love all four of my regular listeners, and there's room for more. Now, let's get to exploring. Our guest host is up first today. So, Franklin, what do you have for us? Well, today I decided to go outside, like you said, and I wanted to go about as far as I can. I first thought about um, Scotland, but there was this one great story there, but I think it's actually been overtold. So I decided to go in the other direction to down under to Australia. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was a one place that had the South Solitary Island Lighthouse. Now, you just hear the word solitary island and you have to. I, I am kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Like, how solitary are we talking? Or am I going to have to wait for you to tell? Well, the Solitary Island is actually one of the most secluded places in the area where we're going to. Okay. And it's actually a pre, it is actually the pre-point of a great location for a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. It was built in the 19th. In 1880, it stood about 66 feet tall, and it was located on the summit of the island in which we were about to talk about. So it was a perfect locale, perfect location. 
hard to build because unfortunately it was on the island, so all the materials had to be shipped. And remember, this is in the 1800s, so we are talking about a very long trip to the to the shore, to the island, back to the mainland, back to the shore. And Ooh, yeah, I, I imagine that would take a, a a few weeks just to get supplies all there. Yes, but luckily the island, but luckily the lighthouse came on way before, in in a good amount of time. But the story which we are going to talk about happened in the 1900, specifically in 1912. In 1912, a young 17-year-old girl named Linda Gow, that's G-O-W, lived on the island, and she was the daughter of the lighthouse's, the lighthouse keeper. Sadly at, sadly, at this young age, Linda contracted typhoid in 1912. Typhoid, most often a fatal disease at that time, the situation was made only worse as a major storm was hitting the storm and the and keeping Linda's parents from getting getting her to the mainland. But they were able to get a message out to the doctor who who was going to coup despite the storm barely rolling in, came in, but still the storm coming in delayed him just Sadly, far enough where Linda had passed away before he got there. Oh, no. I, I mean, kudos to the doctor for that mm-hmm. level of dedication. Mm-hmm. Now, now back then, now back then, we're, back then, typhoid was a deadly disease transmitted through, transmitted through contaminated food and contaminated water, which is why, which is why we have a very famous cook named Mary. <laughs> To be responsible for that. Yes, Typhoid Mary. Mm. She, did you know um, the way she ended up passing it on was one of the most infamous, one of the desserts she was most famous for was uh, peach Melbourne. And it's not cooked. It's it's fruit with a nice, it's fruit on top of ice cream pretty much. It's a fancy fruit on top of ice cream kind of dessert. Yeah, and sadly back in the night, sadly back in the early 1900s, sanitary conditions were not sanitary. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give a little warning. If you're eating food, you may want to pause for just a moment because we are talking about typhoid here mm-hmm. and the 1800s. There's also, also, typhoid could be passed by by uh, well-contaminated feces. Mm, yep. And and as if you are even have the basic knowledge of of Gray's of Gray's anatomy, certain bodily fluids are released after death. Okay, that would explain the contagions of typhoid, yeah. Yes. Now, I'm for, now, again, the storm, which we talked about earlier, moved in and it was completely surrounding the island, which means they could not move Mary off the island, and they mm. could not bury Mary on the island because the island was made primarily of bedrock. There was, a little hard to dig in. Yeah, no topsoil. So there was a second op. There was one option was to take Mary's body, wrap it up, and throw it into the sea. Not an option for her mother who wanted her to have a decent religious burial. Now, with that option gone, there was one final option. That was to, there were two bathtubs in the lighthouse. Mary was put in one bathtub and, and was covered with either concrete or lime, but basically something to protect the outside world from her. Then the second bathtub was then put on top of the first bathtub like a clam and welded together. Hmm. When the storm passed... They ship Mary off to the mainland to be buried, to be buried where her final resting place was in the, where her final resting place was in 
within the um, within the cem- within the cemetery in Newcastle in Newcastle in Newcastle, Australia. Okay. Some sources still say that she was still buried within the bathtub in the cemetery. Oh well, you know, if they're trying to keep uh, trying to keep contagion from getting out, that would that would be the most logical reasoning. And well, yes, well, and though, and though Linda's and, lo, and though Linda's physical body had found a resting place there, there's there's still some belief. Many believe that her spirit still remains inside the lighthouse. A new lighthouse keeper's family moved there in the 1970s, and the son reported feeling a presence inside the new home. Especially um, now, he. Was living in now. He was living in Mary's bedroom, and he also had a strange feeling. He was constantly being watched. He was also mm. sadly played by nightmares and high anxiety oh, while living in the house. A few a few months after a few months after leaving leaving the leaving the island and the lighthouse, his parents confessed that they were going through the same process. Oh, yes. Whether well, he was on the island, they said he was just. Over anxious. But, see, that, that, that's a little bit of a messed up parenting. Like, mm. I can see the good intentions that might have been behind it, where mm. they want their th- they want their son to think, oh, just it's just in your head, you can overcome it. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, that doesn't help the kid deal with it. Well, adults adults need to be the grown ups because they have the other things to worry about. This is true. Because the the keeper had to put money on, had to had to get money had to put food on the table. Of course, so, yeah. So, like in many ghost stories, as you notice, many ghost stories that you watch on TV, there's always the dad who says, "We can't leave this house. We put too much money in it, even though it's pretty much haunted." <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but at some point, you just have to go. Not mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Also, also as to today, the new the lighthouse is still functioning today, and mm-hmm. the current lighthouse keeper, well, actually the tour guide, I should say, oh. says that. At times, she comes into a room and finds, and finds that a picture keeps being knocked off the wall. Oh, well, doesn't picture, like the picture. You know, well, it's a picture of Linda. Oh. <laughs> and when she puts it back, it gets knocked off the wall again. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any more for us, or is I'm that gonna, the end of the tale? I'm going to say this is the end of the tale for this one. I did a lot of research in this one, and I'm still kind of nervous talking on the podcast <laughs> because, well, I'm talking to all you good people out there, but I'm, I'm still looking at this beautiful girl, and I'm like, back in <laughs> high school, how do I not look like a complete and total dork in front of her? <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Um, for first-time listeners, if this is your first episode, <laughs> no, the, no, the guest host is not randomly hitting on me. He is my fiancé. Mm-hmm. And he agreed to be on the podcast. Yes. So, because he is a fan of haunted lighthouses as well, mm-hmm. so he was very excited to join me on this. No, oh, yes, and of course she smiled at me, and there was oatmeal raisin cookies involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. You mm-hmm. you heard it firsthand. Apparently, a way to snag a man is with good baking. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For my lighthouses, we're first going to make a little pit stop in California. I want to first give a shout out to my primary source that, well, inspiration that gave me this little fact that I am jumping in with. It is the podcast Guide to the Unknown. Love them. They're so much fun. And I'm specifically 
um, specifically calling out their episode, California Scares Us. It came out just recently. At the time of this podcast, it came out about a week ago, before the Texas Chainsaw one. And I got this little fact, and I decided to go and research it for myself for you guys. All right, so we are traveling to a little island in the San Francisco Bay. You ready for this? Oh, isn't that Alcatraz? (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's Alcatraz. Um, I will not be deep diving into the history of Alcatraz. That is a totally standalone episode. Definitely. So, um, but for those who don't know about it, I'll give a quick summary. Alcatraz made a name for itself as one of the most secure prisons here in the United States. Primarily because of its location. It is on, and it's also called The Rock because it's literally on a rock in the middle of the bay where there is usually cold water with a fast-moving current and, oh, you know, occasionally a shark or two swimming through as they migrate. It is said that no one has escaped Alcatraz, but that may be based on a technicality. We'll, so we'll dive into that later. As of right now, we are going to be looking at the lighthouse on the island. The original lighthouse was built in 1854, but it was later replaced in the early 1900s. The old lighthouse still makes its appearance, though. According to the article I found on history101.com, on a foggy night, the tower will make its appearance, sound a shrill whistle as a green light slowly flashes around the entire island once before disappearing again. Okay, that's a little creepy. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is just a wee bit creepy. What happens when the ship sees that? (laughs) You know, at least they don't crash into it. We only got radar now. (laughs) This is true, but lighthouses are still very good Mm because technology, for all of us who have phones that have occasionally frozen up or Mm -hmm. told us to take a wrong turn on GPS, we all understand technology fails sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not a through street. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a one-way street and you're yes. in L.A. and it takes you and tries to tell you to tail, take a left turn mm. on a one-way. <laughs> Make a right. Make oh, a dear. right. Why aren't you making a right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, but that is not the only bit of haunting information I found, though. Okay. So while I was looking, I found another article that explains the current lighthouse actually turns itself on and off or actually turns itself on and off, despite the fact that it's inactive. It's an inactive lighthouse that turns on and off. Yeah. As in, there's no power going to it, or the lights are actually taken out? I think they just don't turn it on anymore. Okay. Yeah. So there were reports, actually, along with this activity, there are other reports of gunshots and cannon fire being heard from around the lighthouse, followed by screams. This often sent guards at the time hitting the ground thinking that prisoners had escaped and began shooting guards. There's actually a really famous instance of this happening on Alcatraz, so I don't blame them for being jumpy. But once they realized nothing was happening, they would go and explore around the lighthouse and find out no one was there. Pretty spooky if I do say so. Mm. Yes. Yeah, well, you really don't want to be spooked in a prison. <laughs> no, no, it was, I, yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's travel to our next destination, the main lighthouse I researched. This will take us to Nova Scotia, Canada. We are exploring Peggy's Point, or Peggy's Cove, 
lighthouse. Peggy's Cove is along the south shore and the current and the current point lighthouse was built in 1915. I may be jumping back and forth between the two terms Peggy's Cove or Peggy's Point. It is just so you know it is the same location. From what I found, this is actually a pretty famous lighthouse just from the fact that this is the most well-photographed lighthouse in the world. And I can see why. One of the pictures I found, it was a white lighthouse with a red roof on it. Okay. <laughs> and it's, and I see the pictures and I'm like, I have seen this so many times. It's very interesting. I, I highly recommend you look it up. Yes. I'm thinking, I think I may have saw that when I had my last eye exam. <laughs> They use a picture of a light up with a red roof. Or is it... Oh, they use... Or is it, it a barn? It's a barn. Okay. I, that, mine uses a barn with a silo. Okay, so it's not the same. <laughs> Wait a minute, that looks very familiar. Maybe a little. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right. Um, okay. The history, though, is lesser known. According to the Nova Scotia Lighthouse Preservation website, there are various versions of the name of Peggy's Cove or Peggy's Point. The name, just for the name of it. Um, I'll, I'll actually read the word, read it word for word from the website because they did a pretty good job explaining it. Peggy is the nickname for Margaret, and the community may have acquired the name from nearby St. Margaret's Bay, especially as the point marks the eastern entrance to the bay. Other accounts suggest Peggy was an early settler. A popular romantic reversion version says a woman named Peggy was the only survivor of a shipwreck, of a shipwreck and there are even families that even claim descent from the shipwreck Peggy. It was decided that a light to be made the entrance to St. Margaret's Bay should be erected and it was in 1868. The first one built was simply a wooden tower on top of the keeper's dwellings out there. And the original light was red and had use of a rounded silver plate mirrors to help, mag to help magnify a kerosene lantern. Okay. So this goes back to before the light bulb, mm -hmm. this is what we used. And then in 1915, the new lighthouse was built, and it was used, built using like an octagon shape. You know how lighthouses are usually round? Mm -hmm. This one, they used um, octagon, more okay. oct so flatter, little flatter sides. And it was built 50 feet west of the original lighthouse. Another one, another, I just realized the last one I talked about was also relocated further, mm. <laughs> further south, but for different reasons. It's, okay. it's because the fog obscured it. Right, well, that was the good reasons. I was wondering why they moved to 50 feet. Uh, this one, I'm not quite sure about. So, um, well, probably because they were building it bigger out of concrete. They didn't want to put it on top of the keeper's house. Okay. That would make sense. They didn't want to put it on top of someone's house. That would, mm -hmm. make, yeah, that would, that would crush it a little. Mm. Business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, on to the hauntings. We're start, um, I'm going to start by adding to the shipwreck story. So let's suppose that is the true tale. It's said that one day, Peggy's husband, because um, Peggy, uh, shipwrecked, she lost her children. So every day she would go walk along the coastline. And it said one day her husband decided to try and cheer her up by dancing a jig on the rocks at the water's edge. Um, I don't like this. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. he slipped and suffered a fatal head wound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shortly mm -hmm. after his passing, it was said that she went to the rocks one day and was never seen again. 
as a living entity anyway. Oh boy. There are modern reports of a lady in blue who looks as though she's about to jump into the ocean along the water's edge. If a good Samaritan tried to run up and help the lady in blue, she disappears right before their eyes. Chilling. Mm. Very, very chilling. Okay, then. <laughs> well, I hope there are many good Samaritans out there. <laughs> Same. Actually, um, in Australia, believe it or not, there's a man. Um, I found this online. Man, I really don't remember where it is. But it is at a cliffside that is famous for people Jumping. who who jump off of it. Mm-hmm. And he said he built a house there. And he goes out there and he just talks to them. And invites them to tea. And he has prevented many people from ending their lives by jumping off the cliff. So talk about a really good Samaritan. Definitely. Pretty interesting. All right. That is it. I know we were going to try and do two each. I kind of did <laughs> in a way. But one didn't wasn't much of a story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. we are planning a wedding. And it is... It is getting down to the wire. So mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully next... Next time, af- next time after the wedding, we'll we'll do a much more in depth episode, and we'll sit down for that. And hopefully, I will not be so nervous because now, because <laughs> once that ring is on, she's mine. Oh dear. Oh, my. Mm. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I know we're getting a little cutesy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you again mm-hmm. to my guest host, Franklin Webb. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Links to his books are in the show notes for this episode. I highly recommend his bo- his books. Yeah. And please, please leave a review after you read them. It is always good to support an independent author. Especially when you need to give five stars to a very talented <laughs> podcast hostess. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, don't just say that for baking. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't the end of the episode. We do have some bonus content. But if you want to head out, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I do not have a Patreon yet, but it's a totally free way to support the show. If you guys are stretched thin and pinching every penny possible like we are, completely understand. (laughs) So the best way is just share it, subscribe, rate it, Mm -hmm. anything free that way to help out. All right, time to continue the bonus interview with author Franklin Webb. So, Franklin, I know last time we talked about what got you started in writing endeavors. I'm still curious, though. What fuels the inspiration for the stories that you are currently working on and the stories you have yet to write? I believe that most of the time I'm writing just for fun. Yeah? Well, and then somewhere along the line, it becomes like a metaphor, like what you're going to do, I can point. And sometimes some stories need to be written because if you're not going to write them, someone else will write them. Or if someone's not going to write them, maybe you should write them. I, in, in like, like when I talk about the, um, the Midnight Confessions, what does happen when a guy marries a lesbian? How do you go through that? I mean, mm-hmm. and I wrote that story, and I, in the beginning I wrote that story as a comedy. And, oh. Yeah, because in the beginning it was, it was going to start off as a lesbian, a lesbian is, she's married. And then um, she still, she kind of feels guilty that she she feels like 
I should have told him way before we got married, and now he felt now she feels alone. Now he feels alone, so mm-hmm. she tries to find him a new person, but she doesn't like any of the girls there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the sub story of that was her new wife doesn't like her getting involved in his love life, oh. and then suddenly kind of hit me. How does how would a new wife deal with an ex husband, especially if they didn't have kids together with if 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 they didn't have kids together, there'd be absolutely no reason for them to talk to each other. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what if they were still like, what? What if they did like each other? <laughs> ah. because, the, um, because the quote of the book is, the reason I hate you is very simple. Because they still like you. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. okay. So that just, so I had to, so I just thought of, you sit down, you sit down, they talk to each other and they try to explain the, is this a, just like a, just a look into what are these two, why do these two people, why does she not like him? How does he deal with her? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, the book comes down to is this baby, if he decides to give his genetic donation to the ex-wife, they're going to be in each other's lives forever. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And with my latest book, um, with my latest published book, um, next to normal, next, correct? Next to normal, it was basically the feeling of being an outsider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you do you want to expand on that? Like outsider, how like all your well, characters are outsiders? Yes, because mm-hmm. you may not understand this, but there seems to be a, a bit of a prejudice among the African American community if. If a if an African American is book smart, <laughs> okay, and I'm not saying that it's I'm not saying it's this point, but they seem to there seems to be more of um more of a support if you got out using sports more than your brain. <laughs> okay, rare exceptions, rare exceptions, but the majority of people just don't seem to like you. <laughs> Why is that? I have no idea, and that, and I'm going to be using the book to explore that. Okay, all and right. Then, and then with the, um, and then with um, the uh, the trans, the uh, the the female to male transgender, that's that's another that's an that's another outsider who's trying to get who's trying to fit into a world where the body where he is locked into a body this and that. And then with the with the cyborg. It's more of the orf- the classic orphan story. Who made me? Where do I belong? Okay. And also, also the cyborg is religious. Ah. Mm-hmm. And the religion I chose was not the main. Was I won't say the mainstream religion, but it's also one that you wouldn't believe that one that you didn't, wouldn't believe the main the main group of people would think. An Android will go for. Intriguing. Mm-hmm. So consider that a teaser to go out and buy mm-hmm. the book because mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask him what that is. So that mm-hmm. way there leaves some mystery. Mm-hmm. So do you have a creative process to share with aspiring writers out there? Like what's your creative process? My creative process is, my creative process is this basically, for me personally, I cannot work in complete quiet. Oh, <laughs> I okay. Need, I need background. I need Back, background noise and unfortunately it's listening to an old listening to um 
a Netflix series I've ever watched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then, then when I'm with, then when I'm writing, having the background noise, and then when I get a full idea, turn it off for about thirty minutes so I can write. <laughs> also, I I also have a tendency to have a creative zone, which happens to be in the middle of the night. So ah, okay. <laughs> so not a lot of sleep in the morning. <laughs> so try and work within your creative zone. Sometimes try and figure out when that is. Yes. For any idea, for any people who are out there who want to become writers, let me tell you, it's hard, it's difficult, but it's better than wondering what if. Okay, so so it is rewarding, even if it is a personal reward, an achievement, that good feeling. Definitely, when you when you're getting to the end, when you're getting to the end of your story, you have a tendency to slow down. Now I got it. It's got to end, and then. Luckily, you have another book in your head that wants to be written. So, but still, when you finish one book, it's over, and then you have to start another book. Mm, the yeah. bittersweet ending. Yes, definitely. All right. Uh, so, how how do you work through your writer's block? What's what's your process there? There's two ways: write, and if it's crap, then you realize you gotta go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And basically, for me personally, I walk around. <laughs> I have seen this. He mm. he walks around and sometimes he'll actually act out or animate the scene. Is that correct? Definitely, because sometimes you need to know exactly how you're gonna how you're gonna do an action scene or point. But sometimes when I'm just walking and writing in my head, I solve the I solve the block. Okay. <laughs> because one story right now, which I've been wanting to write, one thing was missing, and the thing is, I. It wasn't until like recently. This is what this this book needs to make it for me to write it because unfortunately, it's like I want to write this, but something's not right. And honestly, if it's if you feel it's not right, then it's not right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so trust your gut on that. Yes, because now that I have that small element that I think was missing, I have, the writing process should be a little bit more easy. So, what if your gut is telling you everything's wrong? Actually, the gut tells you. <laughs> I mean, when I wrote my second book, I was and writing it. Which I was, one was your second book for my, the audience? Uh, that would be Crosses and Silver Bullets, Love and Loss. I had a different scenario, mm-hmm. a different plot. And when I thought I was writing the plot, it didn't go, I felt it didn't go anywhere. So basically, I ripped it up, threw it in the trash, and started over again. And that's when it started to flow. Okay. So mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to get the the the... Sometimes you just need to get the sludge out of the way before the water comes Definitely. out. I get, that is a weird analogy. I don't know why that was the only <laughs> one that came into my head. Well, let's just say you need to walk through it and then walk through the crap until you can get to something good. All right. Mm-hmm. Clean okay. yourself off and redo it. Okay. So anything else you want to share with our listeners? Anything you, you maybe wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Anything you want to share? Open sh- mic. <laughs> All right. Open mic. Here's what I want to share with you. That when you reach a certain point in your life when you feel like things are not going the way you want to go, you have to decide you need to make them the way you want to go. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying do anything dangerous, but here it is. Good things come to those who wait. Good things come faster for those who go out and get them. I could tell you about this one guy who saw this girl at a party and he was so nervous to talk to her 
But then he manned up, mm-hmm. said hi. Of course, there was an introduction there. <laughs> and folks, he is telling you exactly how he caught me. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say I saw something, someone. I really liked her. And I manned up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, now, and you walked over and talked to me. Yes, I did. Let's just say high school memories just came flooding back. Oh. High school nervousness. Oh, duh, duh, pretty and girl. And I think we uh, found common ground. Oddly enough, the first subject we found common ground on that we talked about was Alfred, Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. And then another, I believe that first night a friend said, oh, he's a writer. And amazingly, I just happened to have a copy of a book. Yeah, happened to have. You were very conveniently prepared. Oh yes. He also heard that I was uh, that I was going through journalism as my major in college, and that I was a writer as well. So that's mm-hmm. how that got started there. All right then. I think I think they're bored of us yet being too cutesy. Uh, maybe a little. Let's let's tone it down a little. I don't think they want us too cutesy. No, definitely. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm still. I mean, this podcast is going to be the style I want it to, but mm. I don't want to over-cutesy it for the listeners. Mm, we're so sweet, they need, they need a dentist. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right, so last question. Are you interested in coming back on the show in May so you can advertise the next event that you're going to be at? Uh, I am interested. Okay. Any, okay, any any topic ideas you want to explore? Oh, let's talk about that during our during the hiatus. Okay. Because right well, now, uh, we're well, going to focus on something. Yes, <laughs> we're... Okay, we'll keep the future content a mystery. Mm-hmm. If you are still here, I want to thank everyone again for listening. And another special thanks to my guest host, independent author, Franklin Webb. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's mm-hmm. been fun. Also, my fiancé. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because I've got some really big topics in the work that I'm hoping to release later this year that I think everyone's going to have fun with and enjoy. Oops. (laughs) Again, lost my place on my script. Uh, I also want to give a small warning because it is less than eight weeks to go till our wedding. There will still be episodes, but... Oh, shush. (laughs) But they may be published a day late, depending on how much craziness is going on. So please follow me on Instagram at AnneMarieExplores. The link will also be in the show notes. I will keep you updated if an episode's going to be released late or when the episodes are released. I know I've been terrible about social media on Instagram. I'm going to do my best to get better. I just, I get so lost just kind of enjoying outside life that I forget about social media sometimes so um yeah I hope to have everyone back again next week when we'll be our next exploration we'll be getting our feet a little bit wet so there's your teaser all right until then safe safe exploring exploring, everyone. everyone